Good morning to you all. Good morning. We are delighted to be able to share with you, <coughs> not necessarily because we feel up to the task, but uh, by faith, we wanted to share with you this morning. And the title of the message is Foundations of Family Life. But really, before we get into the foundations of family life, there is only one foundation. Is there not? Jesus Christ is our foundation. But we can say that, yes, Jesus Christ is our foundation, but how do you practically build on Christ? And that's what we want to discuss in our message this morning. You know, Jesus... He was the foundation of the family. He is the foundation of the family. He created Adam and Eve. He performed the first marriage. He was the one who said in Genesis 1.28, be fruitful and multiply. He created the family. Do you think he knows what each one of us needs to have in our family to build it up, to make it what he would have it to be? What we would have it to be if we could see as he sees and then Jesus also is the foundation of the church, isn't he? He's, we often call the church the body of Christ. He is the one who created it. He is the one who sustains it. I like that hymn. I like a lot of hymns, but one of my favorite hymns is the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ our Lord. So why have we called this message foundations, plural, foundations of family life? It's because God has given us what he has done, recorded for us faithfully in his word. And we could come here for a praise meeting. You know what I mean by a praise meeting? We put a lot of emphasis on what God has done for us. And we could all have a great time and we could go away back into the working week. And it kind of fades out pretty quick. You know, a lot of the churches who have praise services, they have pretty good attendance because the people have got to come back next week because they lost it all during the week. We want to share what we can do, what we can practically do to build on what Christ has done for us. Now, I don't want to leave anybody with the wrong impression that there's something that we can do to add to what Christ can do. But there is something that we can cooperate with, with Christ. That's a practical part of our Christian experience that we can build on. So what we're going to look at is cooperating, communing, and connecting with Christ in a very practical sense. Not here at camp meeting, although it will apply, but when you go home. And it's just you and your family. Just you and your children. And now you don't have to look good at camp meeting. You're just who you are. Because that's who we really are. We're not who we are here. We're who we are when we get home. You know, Jesus has not planned to control us like robots. Do you know what I mean by that? This foot forward this foot forward, this foot forward, and you end up going to where you're going. He's not planning for that. He's given us minds, he's given us his word, and he wants us to t- 
take those instruments that he's given to us and he wants them to become part of us. So he doesn't have to control our every single step. Now, again, there's always a balancer to every truth. There is a still small voice. You remember that text? Listen, you'll hear it behind you. He does want to guide us, but he doesn't want to control us like robots. So what we want to share is principles from God's word. God has given his word. We want to share them with you, and they can guide us through. There's five principles we'd like to share. We believe they've become the foundation of our home life. The first one is daily family worship. We're going to be talking about that. The second one is a family schedule. The third one is consistency. The fourth one is a country home. And then the fifth point we'd like to share with you is Christian service. So we're going to split the message up from this point on into those five sections. So starting off with daily family worship. I'm going to ask you to put your hands up. <laughs> I don't know if that, If you're uncomfortable, don't put your hand up. But how many here have some kind of worship, either morning or evening or at noon? As a family. Praise the Lord. We are with the saints. <laughs> so, let me ask another question, and only the fathers can answer this question, okay? Who is to lead family worship? Oh, it was awfully quiet. Let's try again. <laughs> Who, fathers, is to lead family worship? Fathers. Okay. Sometimes... Come on, fathers, be very honest with me, because I'm going to be very honest with you. Sometimes we don't want to, do we? Sometimes we've got too many other things on our plate, and mom does such a better job that we best let her do it. Has anybody experienced that? <laughs> I have. My wife led out in worship a long time before I did, but now I enjoy it, but not at first. Children, we want you to be honest too. How many children sometimes feel like, oh no, it's worship time? Do you ever feel that way, children? <laughs> no, says my little boy. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes it happens that you don't get to worship quite when you were anticipating you would, and so you're a little behind time. And in our home, we have worship and we go right into breakfast. And I know sometimes we kneel down on our rug to have our prayer prior to worship, and one of our little children will ask, is this going to be a short worship? They're kind of hoping, well, maybe we'll just have a prayer and be done, because breakfast is going to be a longer, even further away. Well, we came up with this little saying whenever that comes up, and it doesn't come up so much these days, but we say short worship means short meal. If you want to be fully satisfied at breakfast, we need to be fully satisfied in worship first. You know, they caught on really quick. We don't hear it very often anymore. You know, parents, we and our children, we need to spend time together in prayer, in the Word of God, and in singing together as a family in worship. It's one of the most important pillars, foundational pillars to our family life. If you're thirsty, what do you go do? You drink, right? It's pretty important, isn't it? Your body's telling you something. If you're hungry, 
we all will be later, we want to go and eat. We need to have spiritual food and water every day. As a family, not just as individuals, but as a collective family together. You know, sometimes, children, does worship get really kind of dry and boring? Does that ever happen to you? You can be honest. Sometimes that happens. Worship doesn't need to be that way. You know, one of my favorite books is the book Child Guidance, and I read it over and over and over again. And on page 521, it says there, Let the seasons of family worship be short and spirited. Do not let your children or any member of your family dread them because of their tediousness or lack of interest. When a long chapter is read and explained, and a long prayer offered, this precious service becomes wearisome, and it is a relief when it's over. Short and spirited. You know, I'll just be real honest about our family. When we first had little Hannah, and she was around six months old, she wasn't waking up in time for family worship until she was about six, six months old. And we brought her into family worship, and at that point, we were reading through the book Desire of Ages. We didn't even think about what to do different in family worship. So there she sat between us, and we had the Desire of Ages, and we're reading, and she's fiddling with this, and she's messing with the pages, and we thought, what's her problem? Well, we don't do this in worship. <laughs> did, did we have a problem? <laughs> yeah, we had the problem. <laughs> we realized that wasn't going to work for a six-month-old, and so the Lord began to show us things that we could do for her. And we had very simple felt stories for worship time. And, and so as to not make this labor-intensive for me to get a new story out every single day, we do the same story two or three days in a row. Child is getting that reiterated into their minds and made it simple for us. Now, we aren't doing that today. Right now, as a family, we're going through that three-year My Bible First cycle. And we're just having a fabulous time as a family, learning about Abraham and those patriarchs of old. And we're enjoying it as much as our children are. You know, back in the uh, sanctuary service that God set up in the book of Exodus through Moses, they had evening and morning sacrifice, didn't they? And the priest led out. And I really think that has some, some similarities to what God is calling us to today. Morning and evening sacrifice. Morning and evening worship. Led out by the priest of the family, the father. It's a real, it's a foundational pillar. Because, you know, life can get so busy and so many things happen. It's very easy for the important things, the spiritual things to get crowded out. If you have family worship set morning and evening, it ensures that that part of your Christian walk, it's there. And it's an avenue that the Lord can work through to bless the rest of your day. You're going to pick up very quickly, I think, in our messages, that our favourite books are Child Guidance and Adventist Hope. Okay? You can purchase them on the back table there if you haven't got one. But we, we just devour those books over and over again. You find this on in Child Guidance, page 518. Let the Father, as priest of the household, lay upon the altar of God the morning and evening sacrifice, while the wife and children unite in prayer and praise. In such a household, Jesus will love to tarry. So let's get even more practical. Let's look at 
the three basic components that there are to family worship. There is prayer, there is study, and there is song. As you boil it down, that's pretty much any kind of worship service. Prayer together, reading God's word together, and singing together. Have you ever heard the expression, a family that prays together stays together? You ever heard that? I know there's more to a family staying together than just prayer, but prayer is an important ingredient. Do you pray with your children? You know, family worship is an ideal time to teach your children how to pray. You don't often think about having to to teach your children how to pray, but if your children only think like our children, it's not just you sit down for a half an hour session and now your children know how to pray. It's not like that. You tell them, well, you don't have to say, please help me be good, please help me be good, about six times in the same prayer. (laughs) They do that naturally at first, and that's fine. The Lord smiles on it, I'm sure he does. But as they grow older, family worship, family prayer time is the ideal time to be nurturing them. Well, maybe you don't have to say that so many times. And then you can teach them to pray not just for themselves and for for their things, which comes natural, but teach them to start reaching out and praying for other people. Hey, pray for mom and dad. (laughs) Pray for the grandparents, the uncles and the aunties, the people at church. And it's important also for the children to hear the parents praying. How do we pray? It's important, I believe, for the children to hear the parents praying, please help me to be a better parent. Helps them to enter into our struggle, just as we have to enter into their struggles. And that morning worship or evening worship or both just provides that natural environment that all these other things can flourish in. But if you skip the worship, you skip all these other important things as well. They're like ingredients in a cake. You know, we often find when we're praying with our children, especially in a public setting, that we're praying, we're on our knees, and we've got our eyes closed. And one time I had the thought, just open my eyes. Well, I opened my eyes, and there was my children. Parents, do you realize what your children are doing in prayer? Because if you've got your eyes closed, you don't know. So Carol and I are in the habit these days of praying with our eyes open. One of us. One of us. Just to help train the children. How can you train the children to keep their eyes closed and their hands still so they can concentrate on the Lord if you've got your eyes closed? They're not... They could be getting away with it for years, and you may never know. And we have seen this at church. <laughs> you know, we've seen parents that are very intense on their prayer, and their children are playing with the other children, whilst the parents have got their eyes closed in prayer. So a word to the wise. Sometimes keep your eyes open. Child guidance again. Same page, 518. The idea that prayer is not essential. Now we all know that prayer is essential, but sometimes in the moment, 
we could just try and skip it. The idea that prayer is not essential is one of Satan's most successful devices to ruin souls. Prayer is communion with God, the foundation of wisdom, the source of strength and peace and happiness. God's Word. We're going to look at, we've looked at prayer time. We're still under the umbrella of family worship. We're going to look at God's Word. Jeremiah 29, 13. And ye shall seek me and find me if you search for me with all your heart. And the Bereans, you remember about the Bereans? How often did they search the scriptures? Daily. This isn't new truth that we're presenting to you. It's just the old, old story, as we call it. Trying to make it more practical. You know, parents, we need our quiet time first. To be good parents. To be nice to each other. To connect with the Lord ourselves. If we haven't had our quiet time, we're certainly not going to be of the disposition to try and leave the family in worship. But we're not really talking about personal quiet time. I'm going to spend a fair bit of time talking about that in, on Friday night. What we're talking at the moment is the, the family studying the word together. You know, oftentimes in our family, we will we'll only read a short passage, and then we'll get into explaining that to the children. And just recently, we were reading um, Genesis 10, 12, Genesis chapter 12, about Abraham, when he got to Canaan, you know, after that long journey of not knowing where he was going, he got to Canaan, and then there was a drought that came up, remember, a famine in the land? And he went down to Egypt. And you know what happened when he went down to Egypt? He kind of told a half-truth. This is my sister. You know that? And we explained that to the children, that even the great men of the Bible, Abraham, had a self to deal with. He was tempted to tell a white lie. And he did. Not that there is such a thing as a white lie. They're all black. <laughs> but he was tempted to tell a half-truth and mislead the people. And so then we got talking to our children, and we have done this over and over and over again. And I know we're not anywhere near them fully understanding it yet, because I don't think we are as parents. But we seek to teach them they have a little self inside of them. They have a little carnal nature fallen nature, old man, whatever you want to call it, they know what it is because we ask them to do things and they want to obey and then something gets in the way and they end up disobeying. It's that little self inside them. And if we don't teach them that they've got that and how to overcome it, it makes it very frustrating for them in their Christian walk. It's, it's, like, it's like a game of soccer. You know, I'm, we're from England, so we play soccer over there, not football. He does. And soccer, the idea is you've got 11 people, and they've got a ball, and they're trying to kick it in the goal at the other end. But if we don't tell our children about the little self inside of them, it's like not telling them there's another team who are going to try and get the ball off of you and kick it in your goal. Can you imagine that? What do we need to study? We're going to study together as a family. What do we need to study? You know, it's going to be different whether you have 
whether you're just a couple yourselves without children or whether your children are tiny or teenagers. You're going to be studying. I'm sure if you ask the Waters family what they're studying is very different to what we're looking at as parents and as families together. So, you know, look together at what's important to your family's age range. Something that Paul and I like to do is to read through Child Guidance or Adventist Home, just the two of us, after evening worship, and the children are in bed, we have our own time together to read through, because some of those things become kind of hazy in your mind. I find that maybe my mind's just a hazy mind, but I have to just read it over and again to refresh myself and what it is I'm trying to achieve, what it is I'm trying, trying to do. So that's something we've enjoyed, but in fact, more recently, Hannah's learned to read and she got her own little book of child guidance, and I'm on my second or third copy, and so I gave my old one to Caleb, but he was just so delighted to come to worship with his own book. And we began reading things in their practical to them, and they're able to show us things, hey, mommy and daddy, you need to be doing this. <laughs> Isn't that good for us? <laughs> and we're able to highlight and in their little books, you know, these are for you to do. And it's become a real joy to us, and every evening they're quick to go get their books and be on the couch ready to read those with us. Something else that's a real blessing to look at as a family is the life of Jesus. Don't we as parents and as children want to have that life that Jesus had? I've really enjoyed looking recently at how Jesus treated children, when he blessed the children and how he was with the mothers. And then in Desire of Ages also, there's that whole chapter there on the life of Jesus as a child. That's precious, precious words there for us and our children to read together. You know, family camp meeting is a great time to come together. You know, we have messages, we have fellowship, we have a bit more time than we do in our regular schedule. But family camp meeting cannot replace family worship. Mm -hmm. Because we're here, and I hope to see all of you in Indiana as well, because it's not very far away, and it's exactly about six months apart. So you folks who live in this part of the US get to go to two camp meetings. I know there are some people in the congregation here that get to go to all the camp meetings, <laughs> and we will, but it doesn't replace family worship. Even six camp meetings a year, even 10 camp meetings a year cannot replace family worship. Even church attendance, you know, if, and I hope you do, have the opportunity to attend public worship with your children. But once a week, and even if you go to prayer meeting during the week, it still cannot replace morning and evening family worship. Not as a means of uh, gaining some kind of credits with God, you know, and when you've done so many worships you can go to heaven. Not, nothing like that. This, this is something the Lord wants to give us. Not something that we're just doing to to get favor or credit with him. We, we don't go for salvation by works. You know, on Sabbath, I think we're going to have a fellowship meal. Is that right, Connie? Fellowship meal didn't replace this morning's breakfast. <laughs> the same principle applies. Family camp meeting or church cannot replace personal worship or family worship. Another aspect of family worship is song. Don't you like to sing? Don't children like to sing? Let's turn in our Bibles to Psalms 119 and verse 11.
In Psalm 119, verse 11, it says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. You know, learning the Bible and Bible verses is a really good way to not fall. You can be reminding yourself of those precious words that have the power to keep us from falling. Another text that speaks there of singing is in Ephesians 5, verse 19. Ephesians 5.19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. What is this singing meant to sound like? Melody. <laughs> Sometimes our children can kind of get a little carried away and it's not always very melodious. <laughs> we seek to try and encourage our children to make a joyful sound unto the Lord and a joyful noise. Be singing sweetly. We really love to sing scripture songs in our family and have been doing so since, oh, maybe Hannah was two or so, somewhere around there. And we've really enjoyed the fun of doing that together and it adds a new dimension to family worship. But it's a fabulous tool during the day. Just last week, our family was trying not to get sick. We usually kind of end up getting sick after camp meeting. Now we're heading in with this bug kind of hanging over us. And... One of the children wasn't feeling so good, and they weren't kind of entirely happy about the situation. And we started to sing together, A Merry Heart Doeth Good Like a Medicine. And we just sang it as many times as we could think, or as the Lord prompted us to sing. And I believe just as we sing those scriptures for and with our children, they have the power to change hearts around. Another one that we often sing, because we need to, is Whatsoever Thy Hand Finds to Do, Do It With What, Children? All thy might. Is that a good one for our little children as they're doing their chores? They need that, don't they? They need that encouragement to do it their very best they can. Because Satan doesn't want them to do it the very best they can. But that's important for us to do. Hymns, also. Um, we don't just sing scripture songs at our family worship. We like to sing hymns out of the old black book. <laughs> You know, some of those hymns are just so rich with something that we can lose if we just throw the hymns away. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Some of those hymns started off as poems. And it's, it's really edifying to the family to sing those together. It's just another, another part of life that we can choose tying in with Tom's message last night. Something we can choose to have in our family life. To, to bring up the happiness level. To bring up the joy and at the same time remind ourselves yeah, what a friend we have in Jesus. Also, we like to look at some of the history behind some of those hymns as well. That just came to my mind just as we were um, talking about what a friend we have in Jesus. As much a part of religious service sorry, as a part of religious service, singing is as much an act of worship as is prayer. Are you aware of that? It is one of the most effective means of impressing the heart with spiritual truth. One of the most effective means. Let's not neglect one of those most effective means. Let's bring it into our family worship time. I'm sure... All of you are very similar to us, and that is 
there's always more things to do in the day than there seems time to do them. Has anybody ever come across that? Or do you find that at the end of the day you've got three or four hours left where you can just kind of, <laughs> what should we do, dear? <laughs> that might happen when you retire. It doesn't seem to happen to many people who retire either. But uh, it certainly doesn't happen when you've got young children. So it's very easy, as I've already said, for worship to get crowded out. Let's cement it in to our growing up years of the children. It will be a blessing that will come back a hundredfold for the effort that we've put into it. It does take effort. It does take time to save time. A family schedule. We're moving off of worship now. We've covered the three sections, prayer together, God's word together, and singing together. Now we're going to move into having a family schedule. Sorry, Ecclesiastes 3.1, you all know what it says. To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. God is a God of order. He is. He likes everything just so. Going back to the Old Testament, how did they pitch their tents when they were in the wilderness? Was it like we pitch our tents when we go camping? No, it was perfect. You had the sanctuary there in the center, and they had them all off, just absolutely perfect, dead straight lines. God is a God of order, and he wants that to be a part of our life. Not because he's, he's a mean God who's just trying to make life hard for us. He knows that we will be happier, we will be more contented, our children will grow up in a better environment if we spend some time and some prayer and some effort in bringing order into our family life. Child guidance, again, page 110. Remember that in heaven there is no disorder and that your home should be a heaven here below. Isn't that an ideal to aim for? You know, if there's a schedule in the home, if there's a time for this and a time for that, that really gives the children some, some boundaries, some, something to rely upon, gives them security. They know that such and such is going to happen in a short while. We found a schedule very helpful when we had very little children so that they, they didn't cry because they were hungry because they got fed before they got hungry. Well, they still sometimes cry, don't get me wrong. But a schedule can really help in the raising of very small children. So maybe you're in a situation that you've never had a schedule. And I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hands if they have or haven't. But what if you're hearing this for the first time and you've never had any semblance of schedule in your home? Where do you start? Isn't it kind of daunting to know where to begin? You know, parents, starts with us. We have to be the ones to implement it in our homes if we want our homes to become orderly and scheduled. And you know, the key place that it begins for us as parents is when? Bedtime, thank you. It's bedtime. If we don't get to bed at a proper time, there's no way we're going to be able to get up at a proper time. And if you don't, it all kind of falls apart. I don't know if you've experienced that. We have, for sure. We need to schedule a reasonable bedtime. Figure out how many hours do you need. You know, 
know, different people need different hours of sleep to function on a normal level and to be able to hold on to the Lord. Figure out how many hours you need and then see how you can achieve that. It kind of sounds daunting sometimes, but we can do that. And then figure out what time am I going to be getting up. Have that rising time to give you some time with the Lord. You know, I know as a mother, if I don't have that time with the Lord, it's like I'm going out there and my battery's half used up. And they run out before the day's over, for sure, even before a few hours have passed by, if I just don't have that time with the Lord in the morning. And then, as you've started to bring that into your home and into your family, you can start working on the children's bedtimes. You may say, what do you mean? I mean, children just kind of go to bed when we can finally get them there. Isn't that how it works? That might be how it works, but you know, it doesn't have to. It really doesn't. Children will... Initially, when you start to implement a schedule, children are going to hit out against it. Because they're going to hit out against any kind of framework of restraint that you seem to put around them. But you know, I can guarantee you that within a very short space of time, they will receive the blessings in their hearts of these things that you implement in your family. Start with a reasonable bedtime for your children and a reasonable rising time. You know, we encourage our children to rise before they need to so they can have time with the Lord. But to achieve that, they're going to bed at 7, 7.30 at night. Otherwise, they're not going to have a proper night's sleep to be able to get up with the Lord. Then you can start moving on to other areas. Meal times. Isn't it good to have meal times at different times? You know, we're encouraged that our bodies really do better that way. And for sure, our little children's bodies do better that way too. Have set times for meal times during the day. And then you can move on to the fun things. You know, of course, there's family worship that we just talked about. That needs to be a set time of day. Then we can move into the recreation times, the family times, and those, those other kind of fun things that we'd like to do. But you know, there's one thing that you're going to find happen without a shadow of a doubt. If your schedule needs kind of shaping up a bit, or if you're starting out for the first time, when you go home and you start out this schedule, as you maybe talk about it on the way home, is to just, how we're going to do this, there's one thing I can guarantee you, it's not going to work straight off. So if you're thinking it is, you're going to go down that spiral that Elaine talks about. I've been down that one a lot of times. It's not nice at the bottom. <laughs> Figure out, expect that it's going to, there's going to be some glitches, some bumps along the way that you're going to have to smooth out. But if you persevere with it, you're going to find the blessings of it. And I can still remember when we first realized we needed a schedule. We didn't have our children yet. It was just Paul and I in our little tiny trailer home. And he was out at work, so his schedule was kind of fixed, but I was home. And so the Lord impressed upon my heart the need for a schedule for my hours in the day. And so I figured it all out. And I'm one of these kind of precise people, I guess. And I had it all down to the last five minutes of my day. And I, had, I didn't know how to use a computer back then, so I did it by hand and had it all worked out. And I went into town and took it to the photocopiers and I got 40 copies made, okay? 40 weeks. And he looked at me and he said, why do you do so many? <laughs> You'll change it at least 40 times before you use all those up. I said, no, no, it's going to be just fine. Well, he was right. <laughs> I had to change it quite a few times and we've moved on to the computerized version. That's real easy. You can just kind of flip it out and put it in, you know, it really works well. But a, a, a schedule for our family has been a tremendous blessing from babyhood through to the early years of childhood. And it does take effort and it does take self denial. You're going to have to say no to things sometimes you want to say yes to for the 
sake of your family. But believe me, if you're prepared to have the courage to do that, you'll receive a blessing far beyond what this world has to offer. Do you know that oftentimes saying no is saying yes? Mm -hmm. If you say, no, I'm not going to deviate off the schedule, we're going to carry on now and do what we plan to do, family worship or whatever, then that's actually saying yes to God. Saying no to the temptations that come is saying yes to God. Consistency. Well, this is a hard one for human nature. <laughs> we tend to go in fits and starts, don't we? And I can imagine, and it's certainly been our experience, that after camp meeting, we're going to do it. <laughs> it's going to be different this time. <clears throat> and then about two weeks later, something comes up, some push or rush comes up and things start to slide a bit. And in, uh, an essential ingredient to a happy home is consistency. And fairly closely allied to that is persistency. <laughs> Hebrews 13.8 Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. James 5.12 Let your yes be a yes and your no, no. It says that in uh, James 1.17 it says in God there is no variableness neither shadow of turning. Children, children like consistency. Not on the outside, but deep down in their hearts, they like consistency because it gives them, as we spoke earlier, that security. It helps them to know that certain things are going to happen. You know, if you tell a child, okay, your bedtime is 7 o'clock. Okay, Daddy. And they go to bed 7 o'clock that night. And the next night, something else happens, and they go, go to bed till 8 o'clock. And then you change it to, well, you were late last night, 8 o'clock, so you go to bed 6 o'clock tonight. You know, you're, you're creating an environment where you're inviting them to negotiate with you. Well, bedtime is flexible. You know, it, it changes, so I'm going to get my bid in and see if I can get it later, the child might reason. If we can be consistent, and I'm just using bedtime as an illustration, if we can be consistent, and that takes effort on behalf of the parents, it takes self-denial on behalf of parents, because especially in those summer months, we're just heading into the summer, you might be outside doing some project, and you look at your watch and you think, wow, worship in 15 minutes. They've got a choice to make right there. Who's going to be my master? Keep it consistent. It takes an effort at the time, but the blessing is a hundredfold down the line. It builds for the children. It gives them that security. Don't we like our children to be consistent? You know, we always know that when we ask them, they'll go do. Don't we like that? It makes us feel kind of good, doesn't it? it? makes the home run smoother. You know, moms and dads, we need to be consistent. It begins here. Whenever we want to achieve something in our family, don't look at our children. We need to look here first. Amen. And as we exemplify to them what we're looking for in our family, they'll follow by our example quickly along. You know, when we're at church or 
dare I say here at Family Camp Meeting, we may be expecting a certain kind of conduct from our children. But if we haven't maintained that at home, do you think it's going to work here or in church? You can guarantee it won't. So, if you're here and you're beginning to realize there are certain things you want your child to do, you need to take it home. Home is the training ground where no other eyes are peering in and we can work through these things with the Lord and then we can go out of the home and we are what we're praying to be. But it starts right inside of our homes. And oftentimes we're so busy and pushed that we think it just doesn't really matter and we'll deal with it another day or another time or we'll just deal with it in church. You know, I mean, that's where they need to mind, isn't it? But it needs to be right inside of our homes. And family worship is the perfect training ground. We look at family worship not just as an opportunity to worship God and gain a spiritual blessing, but we look at it as a school time for us and our family. The children are learning to sit still. They're learning to sit quiet. They're learning to listen and to answer questions. And so we'll often ask our children questions, particularly if we think their minds are going off somewhere else, to bring them right back to where we are so that when they're here and as they're getting older, they can be sitting and listening to these messages. These aren't just for us parents, are they? We want our children to be coming home saying, Mom, did you hear about that? Are you going to do anything different about this or about that? We need them as much as, as, as they need us. You know, there's another area of consistency that we as parents often kind of don't fully follow through on. We need to be consistent at home, at church, and at grandma's. I know, that kind of gets right there, doesn't it? You know, at home, well, you don't, you know, you know you don't touch this, and you know you don't touch that. And at grandma's, that can just wreak havoc, yeah? Because, hey, grandma doesn't mind. <laughs> she kind of likes it. You know, moms and dads, we need to be consistent wherever we are. That's hard on us. That means that there's no time to just kind of let loose, you know, and just kind of switch off and just not think about being a parent. That means wherever we go, wherever we are, we need to be consistent with our children. And do you know something? If we're not, what will our children do? They'll take advantage, won't they? You know for sure, well, at least I know when I get to grandma's, I can do da 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 And they will for sure, no, no questions asked. We need to be consistent wherever we are. Speaking of God's laws, Deuteronomy 6-7 says, You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them as you sit in your house, as you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when they'll rise up. Does that sound like there's a, a great deal of time off for parents? Parenting is a 24-hour job. Praise the Lord, they get tired and they go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but whilst they are awake, they are our life to seek to bring them up. That happens in the early years. You know, as they grow up, they start to have more and more independence. And then they eventually they leave the home and they're completely independent. But in those early years, it takes a lot from the parents. And we have to sometimes cut back on other responsibilities even. Maybe even church responsibilities we have to cut back on because you know, from, from 0 to 15 is a very intensive age for children. 
maybe it's just as intensive after that. We haven't <laughs> got to that take, point yet. And then there's 15 to 30, right? <laughs> yeah, that could be pretty intensive, I guess. <laughs> we need to give ourselves to our children. It's our priority. We will reap the blessings later on and along the way. You know, part of consistency is you know, some things in the home that have to be different. The parents don't have to go to bed at 7 o'clock. You know, you don't have to have the same rule for parents and children in every rule, but there are quite a few things in the home where the same rule could apply to mommy and daddy as well as the children. Dirty boots on the carpet. <laughs> you know, if that goes for the children, surely that goes for the parents. My wife's laughing here because... <laughs> I haven't quite got this one down, I'll, I'll admit. <laughs> yeah, I figure I can wipe my feet better than them. <laughs> but he's, he's I'm not going to make any excuses, okay? <laughs> he's growing. <laughs> but we try to be as consistent as possible. You know, if, if we don't want the children to be foolish, then parents don't be foolish. If we don't want the children to eat between meals let's not do it ourselves because what kind of if we tell them to do one thing and we do the opposite we are planting seeds of rebellion in their hearts and they will spring up if we say you can't but I can then when they're old enough they will and you won't want them to Another area of consistency, you know, as we share, we get such a blessing because, of course, this isn't the first time that we've thought about this when we stand up here. We've had hours of con considering and prayerful contemplation, and it's such a blessing to actually put all these things together because it really benefits you. And one area of consistency that we became aware of was consistency between us. <laughs> you don't have to stand so far away. <laughs> You know, I was raised in an Adventist home. Paul wasn't. He didn't become an Adventist until he was in his early 20s. And sometimes when we meet a situation, and you know, do you know how you just kind of go into what's natural mode? Immediately you think this way, and he thinks a different way, because he wasn't raised like I was. And so initially, when our children were just little itty-bitties, it was fine. We could discuss it over them, you know, and it... Hey, they didn't know what was going on, and we could figure it out. Okay, you mean you see it this way, and I see what, and we could figure it out between us amicably. We've got little ears now which are tuning in to all kinds of things, and we began to realize we can't do this now over them. We have to go somewhere else and discuss this between the two of us so that we can become consistent as parents, you know, because if we don't, if we're not on the same page, what do our children do? Do they, do they tune into that? Absolutely. And then, I know because I did this as a child, children, do you ever figure which is the best parent to ask about a certain thing so you'll get the answer you're looking for? Have you ever done that? I have. I did it. You know, children tune into that. So we as parents need to be a united, solid Friend, that they know when they ask, the answer is the same. And something that we've had to learn is, you know, when one child comes and they ask a certain question is, did you ask daddy yet? Well, maybe they did, and they aren't telling us that. And so now they're hoping we're going to say something different, perhaps. Check, you know, check and find out so that you can give that harmonious, consistent front together as parents. Part of that harmonious front, and this is 
this is a hard thing to do. But say, you, say you're at the meal table or something, and I'm just giving an example, and mommy says, you can have some more food. And daddy's thinking, she's had enough already. <laughs> if I then cut across Carolyn, and she said, you can have more, and I say, no, you can't, that's a real difficult situation. Oftentimes, it pays to be quiet, even let it happen contrary to what you think is best. Let it happen and talk about it afterwards. You know, you shouldn't have given her that last portion. She'd already had plenty. Or it, it may be the other way around. I'm just giving you an example. Sometimes it's the hardest thing in the world to stay quiet, but it's in an effort to maintain that united front. Sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes you have to leave the room and just talk it out. Sometimes you get into talking it out and you realize we are never going to sort this out <laughs> in a few minutes. <laughs> Let's just forget it. We'll talk about it when the children have gone to bed. <laughs> and, you know, that's just the practicals of having a united front. The fourth foundation, we're moving on from schedule now, the fourth foundation of a family home is a country home. Did you know that training children is 10 times easier in the country? Did you know that? I would not like to live in the town and have to bring up children because we live in the country and it takes a lot <laughs> to be consistent, to have a family schedule, to, to surrender to the Lord in those situations where husband and wife don't see the same. It's 10 times easier in the country, we are told. You know, home is... It's like the family headquarters, isn't it? It's really where everything goes on. Dad may have to go out to work and be gone, but most of the family time is in the evening and the weekends. That's when the time of the family grows together. And so the, the location of that home is an important part. Do we have all those temptations on our doorstep? Or do we have a little mountain that we can go back to or a little quiet spot in the valley? I'd encourage any of you, we have a, uh, last year, the Waters family and ourselves did a whole album, six messages, called The Fresh Look at Country Living. If any of you are interested in the practicals on how to go from a city lifestyle or a city location to a country place, then maybe pick up that album. We don't want to dwell on that particularly here, but it is a foundation um, it is a foundation of family life. The album is at the back there. The more quiet and simple the life of the child, the more free from artificial excitement, and the more in harmony with nature, the more favourable it is to physical and mental vigour and to spiritual strength. Quiet and simple. A country home offers that opportunity. You know, our children really enjoy just wandering off into the woods. Now, where we live in the springtime and the summertime, there are bears, and so we have to do that with some kind of sensibleness. Obviously, we can't just let them disappear off and not see where they've gone, but they really love to go exploring, and we had the opportunity just recently, just last week, in fact, to go exploring through the woods to a hill, kind of on a clearing above where we live, and we haven't managed to go there in the four years we've lived there. We tried but Caleb wasn't really big enough to kind of bushwhack it through all these woods 
But just this last week, he, he was up to it, and we had a fabulous opportunity to go up there as a family, just ourselves with the Lord, and it was wonderful. And another thing, you know, the country offers us is veggie gardens. Isn't that fun? Isn't that a wonderful way to teach our children the practical Christian truths as they're putting those little seeds in the ground, you know, and how the seed has to die to give life, and just showing them what the seed needs to grow. It's just a perfect, perfect opportunity. Something that we really enjoy. Something else we like to do is to go sledding in the winter time with all the snow, and we love to sled down our driveway. And it, it, you know, sometimes when it's real icy under the sled, it can be quite a deal. <laughs> And we can go shooting down that driveway, and we're on a, a quiet country road, and we used to shoot out and down the road, and it occurred to us one day, you know, it would be real unfortunate if a vehicle was coming past right when you're shooting out of there. And so we decided to make kind of like a barricade on one half of the driveway that you kind of go into, and hopefully not over. <laughs> now that's been an awful lot of fun. Something I know that Hannah really enjoys doing is just going out and picking flowers. You know, she's really enjoying the fact that you've got spring earlier than we do, we don't have any flowers out yet in Montana, but she's been picking away at those beautiful little flowers out there as you walk. If you haven't taken the time, then do so with your children. Just let them go and look at those beautiful flowers. They're just so precious to see. Christian service. You know, oftentimes when we come to camp meeting, we can end up talking so much about things that we want to bring into our family that we don't emphasize the importance of what the family can give. And that's not because it's not part of our lives, it's just not necessarily the focus, but the focus of the messages, that is. But Christian service, we have come to realize, is a source of joy to the family. It is actually a foundation of family life, giving of ourselves to others. You know, if we... <coughs> If we just concentrate on everything that we can do to enrich our family, and we, we concentrate on that all the time, then we're, we're losing precious opportunities for service. And service brings joy back to the giver. Steps to Christ, 101. I thought that was interesting, 101. <laughs> Lesson 101. God does not mean that any of us should become hermits or monks and retire from the world in order to devote ourselves to acts of worship. The life must be like the life of Christ between the mountain and the multitude. He who does nothing but pray will soon cease to pray, or his prayers will become a formal routine. So if all we, if all we do is concentrate on family worship and things that we can do for ourselves to enrich our family, it, it won't be as vibrant as God intends it to be. It's like that stream, it needs to be flowing in and flowing out to stay fresh. As a family, we really enjoy singing scripture songs together. And sometimes at church, Paul used to be the, the bulletin secretary, is that the right word? Uh, he isn't any longer, but some people still think he is, and so they call up with the details. And sometimes there's no special music down for church. And in fact, we had like a a roll of about a month where there wasn't any special music week after week. And this came to a Friday night, and I happened to say, just find out, is there any special music? And he said, no. And I said, well, just put us in. And he kind of looked at me. <laughs> I said, you know, we're learning this new scripture song every week. In fact, this Sabbath is, would be 13th Sabbath. And our children, were we at church, 
they sing one every week that they learned that they were going to do all, all 13 this week. But so we had opportunity just to sing what they'd been learning through the, over the last couple of weeks. And it was a tremendous blessing to the folks there, but to us as well as a family. Something that our local church likes to do once a month is go and sing in an old people's home, in a nursing home, Sunshine Bands. And, you know, I can still remember, it was maybe two, two or three years ago, the first time we went, Caleb was really unsure about this. And there were all these old people, and he just didn't, he was just hanging on to me, and he wouldn't leave my side. Well, you know, if you were there now and saw him, I have a job to find where exactly he is amongst all these wheelchairs. He's in and around all the old people and stroking their hands and touching their face. And you can see them, many, many of them, tears in their eyes. And he gives them hugs. And he's loving it. And so are they. It's just a real simple way as a family that you can reach out to others rather than keeping all that within your own family. Something else they like to do, if they ever hear of anybody whose birthday it is, or maybe somebody's sick, I have an old, an old shoebox type of thing in a cupboard full of cards that are old cards with pretty pictures, and the children will go and cut out the pretty picture, and it's cut like a child would do it. And they'll, they'll paste it on the page like a child would do it, sometimes on the back of the page because they forget how cards open, you know. And they'll put little messages and notes and stickers inside, and we'll send those off to people. And that is just a way that we can be a tremendous blessing to others as a family to reach out to others. In Adventist Home, page 32, it says... The greatest evidence of the power of Christianity that can be presented to the world is a well-ordered, well-disciplined family. This will recommend the truth as nothing else can, for it is a living witness of its practical power upon the heart. In closing, we just want to encourage you that what we have shared, this isn't a way of gaining credits with God. You could have family worship every day. You could have a perfect schedule. You could be the most consistent parent in the world. That doesn't mean that that's going to save you. Not, not at all. These are things that we want to bring into our family that home life can be happier, the children can be sweeter, they can grow up in that environment. What a precious opportunity we have, fathers and mothers, to give our children an upbringing that will strengthen them for service when they go out into the world. It doesn't just happen. So we've looked at daily family worship, and we split that up into prayer, into song, and into studying God's Word. We looked at a family schedule. We looked at consistency. We looked at country home, and we looked at Christian service. Five pillars in the Christian family. I encourage each of you to take those to the Lord. Maybe you're doing most of them or all of them or some of them now. Go to the Lord and say, Lord, what can we do to strengthen our family? Is there anything there that we can pick up on that would be a blessing to our family? This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.